as we all know, right, like patriarchy oppresses everyone who lives underneath it. Of course. And that that also includes men. Like mm-hmm. there are ways which men oppress themselves through patriarchy. Right. You right. know what I mean? And feminism exists. First off, we all know men's rights activism is bullshit. Like just it's just Nonsense. a reactionary kind of to feminism because feminism exists to make everyone equal mm-hmm. and abolish patriarchy. So tell me why. Tell me why. If if feminism exists to make everyone equal, Tell me why I got to put the seat down every time. (laughs) Why? Like, hear me out. Hear me out. You expect me to go in, seat down on the toilet, right? Uh uh Seat down on the toilet. You're my girlfriend. You live with me. Mm -hmm. Okay. You expect every time I go in the bathroom to go pee and I'm a water drinker. I be drinking water. I go pee a lot. Yeah. Got to. I go pee more than you. Right. 25 times a day. More than you. Got to. So I'm going in there each time. You want me to lift it up Mm -hmm. and then put it down. That's oppression. Uh, hold on, because your argument is it's gross to touch it? <laughs> so I got to touch it? Right. This is a gender role. Right. If, if feminism is supposed to make everyone equal, mm-hmm. uh, then why why don't you do it for me? Because then I, I would just have to go up, and then you would have to go down. Mm-hmm. That's one touch per piss. Exactly. That's one touch per piss per everybody. Yeah, why can't you do that? E- precisely. Like, why Why is it like, okay, yeah, whatever, women have been oppressed throughout all of society, who cares? Okay, yeah. it, it, it's 2022. Why do I have to touch the toilet seat? I don't fuck with gender roles. Right. That's all I'm <laughs> going to say. I don't fuck with gender <laughs> roles, so you can do it. The, making me put the seat down is gender essentialism. Exactly. That's that's it. This is, look, look. You may say, okay, men have had it good for all of history, or at least substantively better than women for all yes. of history, right? Men have men have dominated, at least in Western culture, all of you know political positions, power positions, everything. But if I am the one that has to deal with the toilet seat, then now I am the oppressed. Oh, for and sure. And you're in the power position. For sure. Oh, literally. You you are the the uh, the oppressor in this circumstance. You expect me to, you, you expect my exposure to whatever back, gross bacteria that lives on the toilet seat to be infinitely more than yours? Uh-huh. That's crazy. It's I'm like, taking an infinite <laughs> risk. We're about to lose the, the 17% of <laughs> It's over. The female audience is gone. Tuned out completely. <laughs> Back to the show, everybody. Welcome back to Head in the Office. Uh, if you are one of our few female listeners, that is, you're in the minority amongst us. Uh, I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. I, we can't apologize, but I'm glad you stuck around through that cold open because we've got a good episode, not only for you but for everyone that's listening. Absolutely, right now. all inclusive around here. As always, at the top of the show, I'm going to remind you all to go check out our YouTube. Hit subscribe. Get ready. Please. Check out the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Head in the Office Pod. Yes. Go buy some merch. We only got hoodies available, but it's cold anyway. It's it's, it's getting cold. It's hoodie season. You, you might as well just cop yourself a hoodie. Check us out on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Discord, Hitto Extras. Uh, all the fun stuff. And also, make sure to leave us a review on Apple. We don't have any to read this week. Not a single one. I'm actually so disappointed in all of you because right. we get... We, we have more than a thousand listeners on each episode exactly. at this point. And we only have, what, 140 or so reviews on Apple? That's kind of ridiculous. The math is off. you stepping up. Where, where's the engagement? The, we're, we're on the cusp of the midterms. We're two mm-hmm. weeks out, right? Two weeks out. Yeah, two, like two and a half, yeah. Like yeah. two and a half weeks out from the midterms, depending on when you're listening to this. Two weeks on Tuesday, I think. And we're, we're expecting everyone to, like, come rally and secure, like, voting rights, mm-hmm. reproductive access. Right. Um, overall, not a descent into fascism. Right. Yet... You can't even leave a review? When it's like, how do you expect us to get any of those things if we're not being positively reviewed? All, all, <laughs> None of that can happen. All, all I'm saying, all I'm saying, it's easier to leave a review than it is to go register and vote. Exactly. 
And if you can't do one of those things, I don't know if I'm really feeling confident about our chances Look, this November. And it's like, we're not going to make you show an ID. We'll even let you leave several reviews. Uh, real? We, we got people like Gat <laughs> Spider-Man in the community that's left like five at this point. For real. And some of you left zero? I don't know what's going on here. I, I just don't get it. We don't have any reviews to read today, but maybe maybe we'll get to some next week. But we do have a special announcement. Yes, we do. To leave at the top of the episode, as we just mentioned, as Gage just mentioned, in about two weeks, uh, that's election day. And for all of you that are listening right now, we're going to tell you that on election day, Tuesday, November eighth, at around eight p.m., we're going to go live on YouTube, and we're going to be uh, waiting for the election results to come out. We'll be looking at races. We'll be talking about mm-hmm. the election. Uh, so join us on election night, and we can uh, we can go crazy together. We'll be going uh, a little early for the patrons. Exactly. Probably go about an hour early for an ex- a Patreon exclusive pre-show uh-huh, uh-huh. before the election, uh, or before we start our election day preview at yes. eight p.m. November eighth. Mark your calendar. We'll be live for patrons. So if you want to get that uh, that exclusive access to mm-hmm. just us with the with the small group of people, small community of patrons, then uh, you got to become a patron. Got to. But uh, we'll, we'll we'll see you all then. Mark your calendar. It'll be uh, it'll be it'll show up on your YouTube feed once we get closer to the date. So keep that in mind. Yes. Very excited for that. But it's time to uh, speaking of elections. Ooh. It's time to get into our news coverage. So election day, as we said, only about two weeks away uh, from the time that this episode airs. So I wanted to go around the country, take a little trip around the country and talk about the most important races and offer some updates on the on the polling and, and what's the general situation of everything. In, in case you're a little undecided mm-hmm. <laughs> on who to vote for this November. And all the uh, the polling numbers, the percentages I'll be talking about are pulled entirely from 538's aggregate polling. If you don't know who they are, they're basically just, um, I don't know if they're like a company or just this website, a group of people that pull together polling from various um, organizations and then they rate them based on like how representative they are and they weight them differently and combine them into aggregate polling so we can get a more holistic view of how mm-hmm. each race is doing now polling isn't always accurate uh, famously in 2016 polls were wildly off 2020 things were a little bit better but things still weren't as great um, but they can give us a sense of direction as to how the race stands right now like a snapshot yeah. and it gives us something to um, I don't know talk about offer predictions for and offer critiques for democratic messaging if you will really? um, so it, the numbers I'm about to run through may not necessarily be indicative of where things are going to stand on election day but they give us an idea of where we're at uh, it gives us a chance to to do our thing, you know what a I'm saying? A little speculation. So let's talk about Pennsylvania first. Big race. One of the most important Senate races uh, and governor's races in the country. Uh, since mid-September or so, Fetterman has led, Fetterman's lead has been shrinking. Uh, he was about 10% ahead of Oz in the summer, and that lead has shrunk to just 2%, God which damn. if you know anything about statistics, it's within the margin of error, so there may not even be a lead that exists there anymore. Fucking insane yeah. how how quick his uh, his lead shrunk. To yeah. a candidate that is as unlikable as Dr. Oz. Yeah, yeah. Insane. It is It is really strange, especially because the race for governor is the complete opposite. So Josh Shapiro, who is the Democrat, has a steady 8 to 10% lead ahead of Doug Mastriano in the polls right now. And it's been this way for the last few months, which to me indicates on the same poll, the same voters are saying that they're going to vote for Oz and then Mastriano. Like there's a small, or Oz and then uh, Josh Shapiro. Yeah. There's a small, a small group of people in Pennsylvania that are doing the split ticket, which is so weird to me. That is weird. It's got to be the ableism. It's got to be the <laughs> yeah. ableism that the media is I'm telling you, dog, it's in. the anti-bald ticket. <laughs> <laughs> They're just against bald people. And now you may say, what, what's leading to this discrepancy, right? Like, why why is there a difference here if John Fetterman, especially because John Fetterman's been in the news much more than Josh Shapiro, he's much more of a national figure because, you know, big, bald, white guy running for Senate. Mm-hmm. Why is he falling behind? I, I think there's a couple of explanations. I think Dr. Oz's celebrity helps him quite a bit. Um, sure. Even though not from Pennsylvania, it still helps him out quite a bit. And uh, Mastriano may be seen as more just like 
actually insane and Oz is seen of more like a celebrity insane. You know what I mean? I think there's a bit of a distinction there, especially following Donald Trump. We know Trump was insane Mm -hmm. and a lot of Republicans are, but people don't really just, people don't do it like Donald Trump does. You know what I'm saying? People people aren't as like easy to meme as Donald Trump was. Yeah. And it also could be that the the Senate race is getting a lot more attention than the race for governor. Um, So you have a lot of like outside actors that are influencing the Senate race, whereas for the governor's race, it's more of like an internal thing. Not a lot of people are focusing on Doug Mestriano Mm -hmm. that are outside of Pennsylvania. Also, Fetterman hasn't been on the campaign trail as much as he's wanted to because he had a stroke. The stroke. Um, So that could also explain why he's falling behind. But I don't know how much that would really account for... differences in Pennsylvania. I feel like that's a pretty big bit because half of Oz's campaign has been centered around. um, He won't debate me. Yeah. He will not come on debate me. He's sitting in his mom's basement right now, just like Joe Biden was in 2020. Yeah, but the special thing about that, though, is that there's going to be a debate actually the day before this episode airs for everybody. Oh, uh, it's on Tuesday? October 25th, I believe. There's going to be a debate for John Fetterman and Dr. Oz. That's exciting. Um, So they will have that. I don't know how John Fetterman's going to do it because, as we talked about last week, he's having, like, audio processing issues. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how he's going to handle that, but that'll be interesting. Real. Yeah, yeah. One possible explanation, and I'll talk about this a little bit more later, is that Democrats, because they did so well in 2020, are expected to lose historically, right? Mm -hmm. Like, this is just the trend in American politics, is when a Democrat wins the presidency and does really well in the Senate and the House, typically, and after two years, the next midterm, people end up voting Democrats out and basically gridlocking the government. You almost always have a midterm flip. In the House right. and the Senate, like no matter what, I think uh, the past, last time we kept it, it was an anomaly. And when was that? It was George a couple Bush. years back. George Bush following nine eleven. Yeah, and was that's a fucking anomaly. George Bush's um, approval rating was at like eighty percent, right? <laughs> following following nine eleven, and a lot of people were coalescing behind uh, this idea of unity and you know giving Republicans power again because they had to deal with terrorism, mm-hmm. and everyone was very afraid. So yeah, it was an anomaly. And I think maybe the only other time was like. Sometime in the 60s, I don't remember for what president, that like the Democrats retained their power when nobody thought that they would. So I'm not saying that that can't happen here, but I'm saying that historical trends would suggest that that it isn't going to happen. That it's more likely that Republicans are going to win, especially because of the uh, economic political environment, which we'll talk about later on. Um, But what I was thinking is that the reason that races are now getting so close, because we're going to talk about a bunch more that are also Mm -hmm. getting close, is that during the summer... A lot of people were focused on issues that Democrats are really good on, like abortion, gay marriage, that kind of thing. Yeah. And perhaps during the summer, that was the anomaly. That was the bump that we saw in Democratic polling. And now it's just regressing towards what it was always going to be, which is very close races everywhere. Yeah. Um, that could be the case. Again, we don't know until we get election results. Uh, it could be that John Fetterman blows Dr. Oz out of the water by 10%, but probably not. Hopefully. Mm. Probably not. Moving on to Georgia, though. Okay. One of the uh, Another very important state this race. election. Um, in the aggregate data, Raphael Warnock has held a steady 3% over Herschel Walker for basically the entire race, but it has, he has received a slight bump in the last few weeks. I'm guessing because Herschel Walker is crazy and news (laughs) broke about Herschel Walker being an abuser and also, you know, having a woman get an abortion despite being pro-life ostensibly. Mm -hmm. So that probably explains for that. But again, within the margin of error. So it could be that there is actually no lead that can be accounted for at all. Some polls with high ratings, which means that they just are um, deemed to be like pretty quality polls, have said that they're basically locked at 50-50 or they're, they're locked actually at lower than 50-50 with no candidate hitting 50%, oh. which would suggest that vi- voters are either undecided or they're going to vote third party, which would mean a runoff, which might actually just be the most likely uh, scenario. Warnock will win another runoff. Yeah. Runoff which, king, which means we we may be talking about Georgia until January again, again. which is attention uh, whores. <laughs> that's honestly, what I'm saying 
On the flip side, though, very strangely, Brian Kemp is leading Stacey Abrams. Brian Kemp is the incumbent Republican governor by a consistent seven to nine percent. So it's a it's a similar dynamic to Pennsylvania, uh, just like flipped with the Senate and governor's races. Yeah, very strange. Fucking weird. I guess like, I guess here it's easier to explain though, because Kemp is like the more moderate candidate. Yeah. If you're just like a regular person who thinks that Stacey Abrams is a communist. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's the moderate candidate, and he's the incumbent. Uh, and he's he's perceived to be moderate specifically because he didn't overturn an election <laughs> in 2020, which is like kind of the expectation. He, he right? stood up to Trump and got called a rhino. So I, I can totally understand why someone would be OK with Brian Kemp and Raphael Warnock. They seem like two sides of the same coin. Right. Like it's it's like I, I, I feel as though, like when are we going to stop giving Republicans like the 10 Republicans that did this? When are mm-hmm. we going to stop giving them credit for not overthrowing democracy? Yeah, it's really strange how we continue to frame or not even we because it's not us doing it. But it's strange how just people in general frame Republicans like Brian Kemp as these heroes of democracy or even Mike Pence as these heroes of democracy when they just did what they were expected to do. And they did what people in their positions have done for several decades, yeah. several centuries. And it's just funny because I don't know, conservatives are always the ones talking about your generation grew up on participation trophies. That's why you're so soft. Yet they do the bare minimum good thing. Less than good thing. You can't even call it good. Just the morally normal thing. The neutral thing. And get heaps of praise for it after after brian kemp in 2018 when he also beat stacey abrams previously Mm -hmm. he literally did just steal that election yeah like because he didn't steal it in the way that like he rigged the uh the the results or anything like that but he canceled a ton of people's voter registration right before the election day so they when they showed up they just weren't registered to vote and they didn't have same day registration in georgia so you were you just couldn't vote it was like several hundred thousand people's votes that he or several hundred thousand people's registrations that he just straight up canceled tossed off the voter Mm -hmm rolls for no real reason other than that's what republicans do voter suppression is the way that you win elections um and he did that in 2018 and then in 2020 you know he certifies the election he doesn't overturn it for donald trump but people praise him as a hero so i'm like look at this guy yeah this guy he's literally the same as every other republican he just i I don't know is playing messaging a little bit better than they are yeah um and that's probably what accounts for the bump here but again it is strange the split ticket voting that people are still doing that even today Mm -hmm. Uh, very interesting trend but texas Texas. Got to move on to Texas. Uh, similar situation for the governor's race. Beto is uh, down by about 8% consistently. There's really not much not to talk surprised. about here. Yeah. yeah. It is Beto O'Rourke. He's lost uh, statewide before in Texas. Um, obviously, Greg Abbott has won statewide in Texas before. It was always going to be an uphill climb. Beto O'Rourke mm-hmm. is always going to face some struggle here. Uh, Maybe Beto's stance on gun laws is not helping him. I don't especially think so. Following, uh, even following uh, Uvalde. Uh, I don't know, though. Because like what we talked about it last week, it was like something like I feel like in an event because the NRA routinely has campaigned explicitly like days after massive like mass shootings or school yeah. shootings to keep your gun rights. I feel like um, in a somewhat like, I don't know, contradictory way, these mass shooting events only serve to embolden right wing. They're going to take your guns yeah. away rhetoric and almost like boost them in the polls. You yeah. Know? Yeah, it definitely does boost them in the polls. And that's, I I mean, we know based on Beto O'Rourke's presidential campaign in 2020, failed presidential campaign <laughs> in 2020, and his campaign now, and his campaign in 2018 against, against Ted Cruz, gun laws are something that he's passionate about. Yeah. And I think in a state like Texas, it hurts him a lot more than it helps him. 
and although the arguments he's making around, you know, assault rifles, handguns, you know, uh, background checks, that kind of thing, although they're all correct, mm-hmm. like we would probably agree with him on most oh, 100%. Situ- on most policy solutions that he has to offer. In Texas, I don't know that that's the way that you win. Especially with like the Texas culture too. Like all just yeah. like the stunts he's pulling, going up and yelling at Abbott at his like speaking right. events. It's like, who is this for, Beto? Yeah, and the only thing that Beto really has going for him in terms of trends is that in 2018, they did think that it was going to be a blowout with Ted Cruz versus Beto O'Rourke. Uh, polling was saying that Ted Cruz was ahead by like 6%, mm-hmm. and that race was extremely close. Yeah, Beto O'Rourke only lost by about 1.5% in that race. And there was what? There was talk during the 2020 election about Texas maybe flipping blue. Yeah, and it was blue for a while until they counted the mail-in ballots, and <laughs> yeah. then it flipped red. Um, yeah, because yeah, Joe Biden, or they had thought that you know over time Texas would eventually turn blue just because of demographic shifts and how yeah. the the state leans politically when people aren't being suppressed when <laughs> when votes are not being suppressed in the state. Uh, and Joe Biden had one of the closest margins that I think a Democrat has had in terms of uh, versus a Republican in decades. Yeah, uh, I think it was only like a six percent win. That Donald or a six percent uh, victory that Donald Trump had over Joe Biden, which is still a lot, right? That's a lot of wild. That's a big percent to overcome. Joe Biden, but yeah, and it's Joe Biden, but he, he came closer than any Democrat has, other than Beto O'Rourke, of course, in a very long time. Uh, when it comes to to winning that state, especially in the electoral college, mm-hmm. so maybe Beto can pull something out of his ass crazy, but I I'd I shit myself. Yeah. I'm a live stream Tuesday night. Yeah, at exactly. Eight when, when, when the polls come in and we find out who won. Yeah, when when, when Texas comes out and it says uh, Beto work has been declared the winner by 05 percent, you may see we'll go me crazy. Piss and shit myself on YouTube.com/slash Head in the Office. Yeah, we're not gonna make any predictions, but um, it's it's not looking good for my boy Beto. <laughs> no. He's he's trying he's trying for a second time to win statewide in Texas and um I don't I don't know like we'll when see. you lose to Ted Cruz yeah eh. yeah ah. Ted Ugh. Cruz Raphael the, the, Raphael Cruz the most yeah. unlikable person moving to Ohio though another very important Senate race uh, yeah. it's currently way too close to call for Tim Ryan and J D Vance um, Tim Ryan of course is a current U S House member for Ohio J D Vance is the uh, local fucking insane dude endorsed by Donald Trump yeah uh, the polling numbers are basically within a margin of error within one percent so there's no way to even really give any accurate predictions on this one and it's like th- this is a race it's a big important race but it's one of the races I have not been keeping up with as closely mm-hmm. as maybe I should have mm-hmm. I've been more focused on what Pennsylvania and Georgia yeah, yeah. but I. Saw saw an ad from Tim Ryan earlier today and I, I didn't know he was a Democrat until the end when I saw his name was Tim Ryan. It's like, what the fuck is going on? What did they say? He was like throwing a football at like attack ads from JD Vance and it was the cringiest, most like I'm going to appeal to working class people. He was in like, he was dressed like a gym teacher in a red shirt, which yeah. did not help. Like, oh, I was like, oh, what the fuck is this JD? I was like, I thought he had a beard. But anyway, he's, he's getting footballs, and he's th- he's like, they're trying to send attack ads at me saying that I'm going to vote with Biden. He right. threw a football at the TV and broke all the, like, three TVs. I'm like, this is, who does this appeal to? Yeah, and Tim Ryan has been recently complaining that Democrats aren't focusing enough on Texas. Um, I did see on that. On Texas? Or, sorry, on Ohio. Um, Tim Ryan's been complaining that Democrats, specifically funding for campaigns, yeah. hasn't been focused enough on Ohio. And I did see a really bad thing that was released. I, I don't remember from where. <laughs> It was some report that apparently one of the big Democratic caucuses for like funding campaigns had said that they wanted to focus more on North Carolina uh, because there were more college educated people there when compared to Ohio. Oh, my fucking God. Which is just fucking (laughs) We're going to talk about Democratic messaging in a little bit and what Democrats should be doing in the last few weeks. But like 
That is horrible. That's an awful report That's to have awful. come out when you're trying to appeal to working class people in, across in a, the country. In a state like Ohio, where people, it's similar to Michigan, where manufacturing has just been eviscerated yeah. and people are struggling more than ever. Horrible. Just say, I actually, I don't like the Rust Belt at all. Yeah, so wow. um, not sure what's going to happen with Tim Ryan there. Good luck to him, but I'm also not very hopeful. Uh, but also in Ohio, there's a governor's race where incumbent Mike DeWine, a Republican, he's running for governor again, and he's pulling ahead of the Democrat by almost 20%. Holy shit. Uh, which could just be an incumbent advantage. It might not be too telling of the uh, the Senate race with Tim Ryan and uh, J.D. Vance, but um, I'm also no, like no real way to tell. Ohio. Yeah. You know? Yeah, not down with Ohio. Not, not down with Ohio. Moving on to Arizona, we got Mark Kelly, our local astronaut and yeah. centrist into the Senate. Uh, he's consistently pulling ahead of Blake Masters by about 3 to 4%, another nail-biter, though. Uh, and in the governor's race for Arizona, Kari Lake, or Kerry Lake, no, no neo-Nazi sympathizer. <laughs> Is currently ahead of Katie Hobbs, who is the current Secretary of State, barely by about one percent. Um, so very close races in Arizona. We knew that would be close though. Wait, was so was Kari Lake the lady that talked in front of the Nazi car? Uh, no, that was Doctor. Oh, <laughs> that was oh, Mamet. The Mamet, uh, my Carrie, man, Mamet. Kari Lake is just. Uh, we reported on her a while ago. She's just had several articles written about her about how she's close with like the Proud Boys and other neo. Was she groups. the lady at the Trump rally? No, that was somebody else that won her election in Illinois. Oh, love that. So, I, I love literal so just many, Nazis winning. <laughs> there's just so many Nazis in the Republican Party. It's hard to keep track of. So many Nazi women winning yeah. like across the world. Right. That's yeah, nuts. Another thing, speaking of Mamet that I forgot to talk about when we were on Pennsylvania, there have been a lot of articles coming out that I've seen where he just refuses to acknowledge like the Armenian genocide. Oh, really? Yeah. That's crazy. Like, dog, you're, you're not in Turkey. Yeah. Like, one, you're not in Turkey. Two, I think Turkey recognizes it now. And three, this is America. Like, yeah. wh who in your voter base, who in Pennsylvania is sitting there thinking, yeah, if Mehmet Oz acknowledges the Armenian genocide, I am not voting for him anymore. He's losing my vote. <laughs> Maybe it's just like a, a cultural thing. Like, he refuses to like, like He just dodges the question every time, and it's so weird. That's crazy, because, yeah, I think Turkey has acknowledged the Armenian genocide, and they've also said, because Joe Biden called him out on it, like, however many months ago, probably yeah. at, like, the beginning of his presidency, and then they were like, okay, sure, we did that, but look what you did to the Native Americans. Yeah. And I was kind of like, yeah. We're, <laughs> yeah, look, look at what we bars. did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, that's interesting, though. Yeah. Dr. Oz really thinks that's a... Threw me for a loop. He just won't comment on it. Yeah, I guess it's not going to be consequential for, like, Pennsylvania voters. <laughs> but exactly. It's like, it's not going to be consequential. <laughs> just say something. Like, yeah. even if you denied it, it wouldn't matter. Like, I'd talk shit, but yeah. it wouldn't matter for your race. Bro's got to be a plant from the from the Turkish government. <laughs> got to be. He's just like, um. oh, God, what's the dude? That uh, general. Michael Flynn. Oh, yeah. He's just like Michael Flynn. For exact real. same. Uh, one thing that could explain why Carrie Lake is ahead of Katie Hobbs and Mark Kelly is ahead of Blake Masters is that Carrie Lake apparently has a lot of media training. Mm -hmm. I think she was, I don't even know where she was an anchor, but similar to uh, Tudor Dixon, she has a lot of media training. So she like knows what she's doing when she's talking to reporters and doing messaging and stuff like that. Uh, also, Mark Kelly is the incumbent in the Senate and he's also very moderate. So that gives him a bit of an advantage mm -hmm. as well. But again, not much, not many conclusions we can draw from polling that is so tight in a state like Arizona. But Mark Kelly is pulling ahead of Unabomber supporter Blake Masters. <laughs> so that's a good thing. Uh, Florida, the story is a little bit different. Ron DeSantis and Marco Rubio are both pulling ahead of their competitors. Of course, we all know who Ron is, governor, yeah. Florida, uh, local insane man, and uh, Republican governor. And Marco Rubio is the Republican senator from Arizona. Uh, both of them have races. Both of them are winning. Ron DeSantis much more so probably because of his national image. I was going to say, I didn't even know that someone was running against Ron DeSantis. Like, it's, at this it's, point, uh, it's like... 
Charlie Chris. It's a former. We talked about him a while ago. Charlie Chris. He is a. um, I can't remember what his like job title was. I'm pretty sure he's like a billionaire. I think he just owns a lot of property in Florida, and he also used to be a Republican. (laughs) So. Democrats are not sending their best so for that just, race. It's just an inconsequential phrase, yeah, no, no matter what way you spin it. I don't know how we landed on this dude to run as a Democrat against Ron DeSantis. Like, Ron DeSantis is one of the most prominent Republicans in the country right now. He's probably, like, the third most popular Republican. Right. And it would be difficult to win that race regardless of what candidate we put up. That's a hard race to win, especially in a state like Florida. But a former Republican? So just, let's put up a Republican. What, what motivation do you have to go vote for that guy if you hate Ron DeSantis? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, what, what do you hate about Ron DeSantis that would make you vote for another Republican? Right. You know? Yeah. And my thought here is that Ron DeSantis is probably going to carry Marco Rubio through the finish line here because he's on. Mark, or, uh, Ron DeSantis is on the ballot. He's going to carry every other Republican that's on oh, the ballot sure. because people support him so much in Florida. So People want him to run for president. Right. Exactly. If, if it's not Donald Trump, it's Ron DeSantis, right? Like yeah. that'll, that'll be who runs. Uh, but we'll see. That'd be wild. Yeah. 20, 2024 comes around. Yeah. Whew. I think in general, anyone that's not a Republican. Republicans should stop expecting Florida to ever go our way ever again. Like, it's just, it's not, that doesn't mean stop campaigning there. That doesn't mean stop trying to reach out to those voters. But Florida, for some reason, has just consistently been red. It's kind of like, even though it's very close in 2020. But. It's kind of like in in the same way, despite its like population overwhelmingly voting for progressive policies, yeah. like what was it? $15 minimum wage in Florida was yeah. a ballot measure and it got like 60, 70% of the 60 vote. 60 to 70, somewhere in there. 60 yeah. to 70. It got more, a larger percent of the vote than either presidential candidate, yeah, than any other candidate. The crazy thing there is that that was the Bernie Sanders plan. Yeah. Like, like word for word, it is like uh, an increase of $1 each year over the next five years. That's the Bernie Sanders minimum wage plan. Mm-hmm. And they, Florida voters voted for that by overwhelmingly. like- Overwhelmingly. Overwhelmingly voted for that, but then voted for Donald Trump by like, what, four or 5% over uh-huh. Joe Biden. Like, still a close race, but damn. <laughs> like, it doesn't make sense. Fucking insane. But it's like, in, in the same way that Texas might turn more blue because of the demographic shift from California, uh-huh. Florida's just getting more red. Yeah. All the conservatives are going to Florida. Yeah, and I think part of it is also, you may have heard uh, many, like, commentators talk about this around the time of the 2020 elections, but part of it is also that Democrats seem to be losing um, Latinx voters, especially For in places sure. like Florida. And I don't really know why that is, other than I think Democrats have a tendency to treat them like a monolith. A mm-hmm. lot of the time, I think, and this applies to all racial groups, by the way, not just um, Latinx voters. But I, I think that Democrats, a lot of the time, just assume that because someone's a part of one group, because they're a part of a certain demographic, and because Democratic policies are certainly better for marginalized groups, yeah. that they're just going to vote for them without having to fight for those votes. And I, I mean, I don't know if if pollsters or, or I don't know if like Democratic campaigns are just taking that for granted, but it really does seem like we treat every community as the same, even though Latinx is a enormous ethnic group. It's like they, they don't try to appeal to them on like their own individual humanity. They yeah. try to appeal to them as one big group of people who hail from South America. Right. From South American countries, and it doesn't work. And I think the thing that a lot of, like, people, a lot of campaigners forget is that Latin America is fucking enormous. Mm -hmm. There are so many different countries, so many different cultures, so many different practices, traditions, ways of life, that treating them all the same is just impractical. Like, not only is it kind of bigoted, it's like, (laughs) it doesn't work. It's infantilizing. Yeah. Because, like, uh, any any immigrant can come over here and be just as conservative as the worst hog that works with you. Yeah. You know? And and a lot of uh, Latinx voters that, uh, or a lot of people that immigrate to the United States from Latin America end up being fairly conservative. A lot of people that just immigrate 
immigrate to the United States end up being fairly conservative because yeah. they have this image built up in their mind. It's the American dream. It's the, it's the marketing thing that we've yeah. sold to other countries about how great America is. It's so cool here. And like, um, you, I've, you see a lot of this dynamic when you see like mainlanders and in like Asian countries uh-huh. and like first second generation immigrants here mm-hmm. when it comes to things like cultural appropriation the second generation people don't don't like it and they speak yeah. out against cultural appropriation when it comes to certain asian aesthetics like fox eyes things like that because they're like you're you're treat you're almost like fetishizing me i'm not sure if this off the cuff right like you're you're fetishizing yeah. me you're treating me like this caricature mm-hmm. of what you think a japanese person is what you think an asian person is i remember yeah. on tiktok drama popped off with a um i'm probably going to butcher the name it's a kipao Okay. It's like a Chinese traditional dress. And a mainlander from China was like, no, we like when, like, Americans wear this. Like, mm-hmm. we like when people come over here and wear that. And they like, we're sharing our culture. And then second generation, third generation people here were speaking up. And they're like, but they're not doing it to respect you. They're doing it because they're tourists. They think this is a character of what, yeah. like, China is, what Chinese things are. And they come here and they treat us like we're that caricature. It's one thing to say that when you're in mainland China for example, and you are the ethnic majority by a wide margin and these individual white people are coming and having no harm on you, doing nothing. Like, they can't affect you, no matter how racist they are. No institutional power. They can be dickheads, but they don't have power in that country. But then they come over here and they have all of the power. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think that definitely applies to people that immigrate from Latin America. And I just, like, I can't get over how often Democratic campaigns treat people from all marginalized racial groups as just the exact same. Oh yeah. Like it's just, it's not the case. And you need to, if you're running statewide or if you're running in a specific district, you can't just assume because people are of, you know, some color that they're going to vote for you. And I think that people are starting to come around and understand that. And it's, I'm not trying to say that like Republican voters even earn a majority of votes from immigrants or anything like that because Mm -hmm. they don't. It's just an increased proportion are going towards Republicans and that helps them on the margin. It's specific demographics that are increasing that vote for Republicans over others. Because again, Latin America is a big country. Any country that people are immigrating, Latin America is a big continent. My bad, my bad. It's a big area. Big (laughs) area of land. The borders we we draw aren't real. Huge landmass with many arbitrary borders. And those demographics within the borders are very different, wide, and yeah. varying. Yeah, exactly. You know? Maybe uh, if you're a Democratic campaigner, you're welcome. That's advice <laughs> that we just gave you free, for free, but you could also Real. become a patron if you, you want. You could also hit us up on the Patreon uh, when we do the live stream. You can come on and give us a tip, maybe. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> if we hit 1,000 during that time. <laughs> oh, like... Um, moving on to Wisconsin, though. <laughs> complete opposite of Florida. Uh, Wisconsin has a Senate race that we haven't talked much about. It is oh, yeah. uh, Mandela Barnes, who is the current lieutenant governor of Wisconsin, versus Ron Johnson. Didn't we talk about Ron Johnson a couple weeks ago and how every year he proposes a plan to cut Social Security? Yeah. Yeah, nice. Ron Johnson is the guy that wants to uh, do tax cuts for the richest people while you, while paying for that by cutting Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. Mm-hmm. He That's, literally just wants to get rid of them. He just wants to hurt people. He proposed that we put it on the chopping block every single year for a vote, mm-hmm. but there's no mechanism to vote it back in if we don't like it anymore. It's just to get rid of it. There was also a, a semi-viral moment of Ron Johnson versus Mandela Barnes, their debate. And yeah. Ron Johnson was talking about how like the FBI is investigating him <laughs> and how the FBI is trying to like poison pill his... Uh, his campaign and like messaging strategy. Wha- how everyone By- laughed at him. <laughs> <laughs> he got fucking laughed at. 
Like I don't I don't even know how it came up because I haven't watched their debate yet because we haven't even covered it. Real, uh, we, if we, we if might we, watch it live on Tuesday at eight exactly. o'clock at theoffice.com. If uh, <laughs> if I would have watched the debate, we would have talked about it. Can't let anything go to waste. Uh, but no, during the debate, I don't even know how it came up. But Ron Johnson started talking about how like the FBI is trying to destroy his campaign or something, and he's wow. trying to call out corruption, and everyone laughed at him because they're like, "What are you talking about? Is he, is he trying to do the Trump raid thing?" I don't it's know. something we don't even hear about anymore. We're kind of yeah. surprised how that like faded out of the news cycle. Yeah, I don't think that'll be consequential at all for uh-uh. at least for this election. But yeah, Ron Johnson. I, I feel like so many Republicans try to do the Trump thing, but they just can't do it. They can't no. pull it off. Well, they don't. They don't have the uh, charisma. I guess they just don't have the bravado like Donald Trump does. Yeah, like Donald Trump. Like he's not even like Donald Trump's a charismatic guy. He's charismatic in all the wrong ways. Yeah, but he's good at what he does. And people like Ron Johnson just don't have. Kanye might have it. But Ron Johnson does not have it. Kanye might have had it. Yeah. <laughs> but Ron <laughs> Johnson had it in the doesn't past. have it. Anyway, uh, Mandela Barnes, she's the lieutenant governor of Wisconsin. Ron Johnson, obviously the Republican senator from Wisconsin. Uh, Mandela Barnes, he was leading for a while. Uh, but recently, at least since like mid-September or so, Barnes has fallen off with fundraising and subsequently fallen off in the polls as well. Damn. Uh, it used to be that Barnes was leading by about 4% all summer. That is now completely flipped, and now it's Ron Johnson leading by about 4% since like beginning of October. Damn, dude's like a dinosaur too. Yeah. That's the cra- that's crazy. He's old. He's old. Uh, some of the polls still have them pretty even, like 50-50, but it's likely another toss-up. Their governor race is also insanely close. Uh, lots of important races this year. For real, uh, especially in a place like Wisconsin. Uh, so we'll we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. And I wanna I wanted to round off our little trip around the country with our home yeah. state. Got to. I want to end off by talking about me. Talking about me, myself, and I. Frankly, let's we we can end off on Michigan. Uh, to be fair, Michigan is pretty national race right now. Exactly. Lots of national coverage when it comes to Whitmer versus Tudor Dixon. Yeah, it's weird how ever since COVID, Whitmer has been thrown in with like Gavin Newsom and uh, yeah. former Chris Cuomo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so th- th- we do have a big race uh, for governor in Michigan, Whit- Whitmer versus Tudor Dixon. Uh, and since the beginning of October, Tudor Dixon has been steadily increasing her polling numbers. Of course she is. Tudor um, Dixon, the big Trump candidate. Yeah. This big uh, Betsy DeVos-backed candidate as true. well. Um, yeah. If you don't know who Betsy DeVos is, she was Trump's Secretary of Education. Yeah, and she was, was she the uh, Secretary of Education for Michigan first? I would imagine yeah, so. I think um, she was under res- Rick Snyder. Resident, yeah. awful person. Oh, Rick yeah. Snyder, also awful governor, did the Flint water crisis. Yeah. But Betsy DeVos is horrible. Her whole plan for education is centered around charter schools mm-hmm. and private schools schools yeah. that's it she just wants to get rid of public schools mm-hmm. a gal that's a that's a really good oh. secretary of education right for there. real just destroying the system <laughs> entirely yeah so Tudor Dixon backed by Betsy DeVos has been slowly increasing her polling numbers which is a trend that's been happening probably since like I don't know August or so mm-hmm. because Whitmer started off with like a 20% lead against oh, her yeah. and Betsy DeVos uber wealthy right uber oh, yeah. wealthy oh, at yeah. Grand Valley State University the uh the business college I think is named after them Really? Like the DeVos Center. That's so sad. Yeah. That is the most lifeless thing I can think of. It's pretty wild. Yeah. But anyway, Whitmer started off with about a 20% lead in August. It has shrunk significantly since then. It's now at 5%. So Whitmer's still ahead in the polls. um, But Tudor Dixon continues to creep closer and closer to equilibrium. Uh, I don't think there was ever a world where Whitmer was going to like win by 20%. No. Um, but it is uh, a little scary to see. With such wild takes as I support um, no exceptions for abortion. Uh-huh. I support a total, 100% total abortion ban. Mm-hmm. Patrick Leola had it coming. It had it coming. A highlight, exactly a highlight of her campaign and some other unhinged shit. Uh-huh. It baffles me how we're yeah. this close. On the debate stage for Whitmer and Dixon, they both talked, they were talking about police violence, obviously. Police yeah. was one of the big topics. And Patrick Leola directly came up and Tudor Dixon just doubles down. <laughs> She, she just doubles down on the take. 
that like he, he had it coming like he was a violent criminal that was going to hurt the officer so the officer reacted the way he was supposed to it's fucking it's it's crazy fucking insane it's crazy how she is, even has a chance to like lead the executive branch in a state <laughs> wild wild uh but that ends our that ends our little trip around the country that ends our road trip little road trip but honk i want to i want to leave off on a little bit of um a little bit of discussion about all of this the important note or an important note that i would leave is that again based on hit- historical trends democrats because they did so well in 2020 are set to lose this doesn't mean that it's inevitable of course mm-hmm. this doesn't mean that democrats are going to get completely blown out of the water but the fact that in the polling it isn't clear that Republicans are going to win entirely does suggest that Republicans are in a way fumbling the narrative and fumbling the messaging For here. Sure. Because if you would it, like Democrats won a majority of the Senate, the house, and they won the president, the presidency in 2020 and things have been pretty bad, right? For Inflation sure, yeah. has not been great. Uh, there's been a whole lot of other issues that Biden has had to contend with and that Biden has been pretty messy on. And that's been the, uh, that's been the main like messaging thing. From conservatives, look at all this inflation. Let's go back to a Trump economy. Not that the Trump economy was any better. And when it was better, he was riding the coattails of Obama's economic Mm -hmm. recovery. But still, like inflation, if you're just looking at it from right now, your grocery bill is more expensive. Your rent is more expensive. Everything is more expensive. And gas is crazy. Right. Yeah. Like in the messaging, Republicans should have a pretty clear path to taking majorities in both chambers Mm -hmm. right now. Um, but partially because of this, the individual seats that are up in the Senate, which kind of favors Democrats in a way. And because of Republicans kind of just fumbling the bag, they aren't clear victors here, even though yeah. they should be if they knew that what they were doing. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Democrats, I, I think it's because the abortion thing. Yeah, it's definitely partially because of abortion. But just the fact that Democrats have any chance of maintaining majorities is kind of crazy it is. Uh, and very indicative of the Republicans going off the deep end. So we'll see what happens there. There's also a ton of other races that we didn't cover. We may have uh, we may, of course, get like more October surprises on top of what we yeah. got from like Oz and Walker. Uh, but we'll see. Two we, weeks we is really a know. long time. Yeah. And some candidates still have to debate, specifically in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Uh, Republicans have actually been doing pretty well in debates, surprisingly. I think yeah. a lot of them just trained up and said, we're not going to have a stand back and stand by moment yeah. like Donald Trump did. So uh, that's another thing we have to consider. You can tune into our stream and, and find out how those debates like, went. Uh, what's so. his name? Uh, obviously, Herschel Walker did better than I expected against Warnock. Uh, yeah. Marcus Flowers kind of fumbled the bag against Marjorie Taylor yeah. Greene. When yeah. it's like you're talking to Marjorie Taylor Greene, dog, like this should this should be a layup. I wonder if he'll win. We didn't talk about Marcus Flowers. Another guy running in Georgia yeah. against Marjorie Taylor Greene. That'd be interesting to see if he wins. That would be We'll crazy. keep our eye on it. We're in the same time zone as Georgia, so we'll, we'll know. <laughs> Around the same time that we know Michigan results. That's true. Um, but my main takeaways here, uh, two of them. I, I have a pair of takeaways. Okay. First one, kind of what I alluded to before, the boost that the Democrats had during the summer when polling was very high is probably a result of abortion and other hot issues like they were working on the um, Build Back Better at the time, which is now mm-hmm. Inflation Reduction Act. They passed the bipartisan infrastructure law. There was talk of, you know, taking away gay marriage, access to contraception, all these other things. We famously had like the, the two week long period where Republicans just voted down everything that was good. Mm-hmm. Like we, we, we tons mm-hmm. of pieces of legislation that the Republicans voted against. Yeah. Which I think may have artificially inflated the lead that Democrats had in the polling. Um, and I think now the perception of Democrats is just regressing towards what it was going to be. It's regressing towards the Because, like, what generally isn't the thing. It's, like, voters' uh, voters' attention span is very short. Yeah. Voters have really short memories. 
And it's it's not even that. I think that these races were always going to be tight. Like we yeah. always knew oh, for sure. that races across the country, whether it's in Pennsylvania or Florida or Michigan or Georgia or whatever, I think we knew all of these would be tight. There isn't a world where Fetterman wins over Oz by like 15%. Mm-hmm. It just, it wasn't going to happen. Although like logically you may think it should happen because Oz is fucking insane and John <laughs> Fetterman's like the perfect candidate. It's just not going to happen Yeah, uh, because of how politics is and because of how the messaging is now playing out. So those, those estimates that, you know, Fetterman was up by 10% over Oz. I think it got people excited, but it was never realistic. Yeah. Uh, not that Fetterman can't win, but that we shouldn't expect this race to come down to anything but a marginal victory by one of the candidates. All of these races are going to be nail biters. And that's honestly more than what we were expecting at the beginning of the year. Uh huh. At the beginning of the year, I thought it was going to be a complete wash just the whole time through all I thought we were losing, like no matter what. Yeah. And we talked about like, you could probably go watch our earlier episodes. We were like, Democrats are getting clapped for all the bingers. Yeah. They know. Yeah. Because we, we were talking about back when like we couldn't pass anything, right? There Mm -hmm. was no bipartisan infrastructure deal. The war in Ukraine, was really bad gas prices were starting to go up we hadn't passed the inflation reduction act like everything was bad yeah and we were saying oh it's over right like democrats <laughs> unless they get their act together they're losing and then they kind of did get their act together the and abortion ruling dropped that made republicans look really bad and then polling numbers went up it's crazy because if if democrats do win if they can't hold on to the senate and the house that's historic yeah that's really is historic it is there an are anomaly. never not midterm flips yeah so that would that would be a really big deal. But the other takeaway that I have from this, and I think this bears out in the data as well, is that part of the drop in Democratic polling, I think, can be accounted for by concerns about the economy, right? Oh, it's During the sure. summer, um, a concern for abortion and other similar topics was heightened, mm-hmm. I think, to a degree that we haven't seen in a while because of uh, the Dobbs v. Jackson decision. But now we have, uh, you know, historic inflation that is still raging on. And I think a lot of people have reoriented towards the economy because that is most analogous for you know, the material reality that they face every day. Yeah. At the end of the day, because of capitalist society, people are always going to vote in accordance with what they're most concerned about. Mm-hmm. And people are always going to be most concerned about the material reality. You know, things like, can I, can I make rent on time? Yeah. Can I afford food? Can I put food on the table? Can I get, you know, can I pay for healthcare bills? Do I have a good job that pays me enough to support my family? Those concerns are always going to come first. And I think because Republicans are the party out of power and inflation is so high right now, I think even though people care about abortion, they care about things like gay marriage, uh, they are making the calculation that, well, rent is getting really hard to pay. And although I think people should have access to abortion, it seems like Republicans might be better on inflation because I need to afford to live. Exactly. I need to worry about me. Right. Yeah. And, and that's not their fault. No, it's like, not. like your material existence is always going to trump all other issues that you care about, whether it's like, again, abortion rights, democracy itself. Like yeah. there's a lot of people that care a lot about democracy and will say like, yeah, we should have a democratic country. But there's very few people that will cite voting because they care about democracy. For sure. They're voting because they want their life to improve. And although democratic policy positions are always going to be preferred by most voters and by like data and evidence to Republican policies for the economy, because Republicans are out of power now and the political and economic environment isn't great for democratic campaigns, it makes it really easy for people to think, well, maybe Republicans can handle inflation. Yeah. And that's the calculation they're making. And it's not their fault. Democrats need to do better with the messaging, but that's just what the reality is. Because I think. it's it's those same people that think maybe Republicans can do better inflation are the same people that frankly just ignore 
how they vote. Yeah. They're, they're the type of people that aren't watching. the. They're not media-pilled. Yeah, exactly. They don't have a podcast, and it's not their job to sit there and analyze these things and look at C-SPAN, see how people vote. Right. They're not going to sit there and see that Republicans voted against all of these good things, right. especially when Democrats don't hammer that med- messaging in. They're not going to sit there and think that. And it's especially hard for Democrats to message around this when they uh, can't be disingenuous like yeah. conservatives can. You know what I mean? Right. Like I had seen um, a couple people on Twitter talking about because we're wasn't when gas prices first went up, everyone was bitching about Biden not releasing strategic reserves. Yeah. They're saying you have to release the strategic reserves so that we can do this. And then when he did release the strategic reserves, they said this is only I don't remember the exact numbers, five thousand barrels a day. This is only going to bring gas prices down for this long. Although that was a fucking lie. Like mm-hmm. that's not how that works at all. But now I see Twitter every day people talking about how Biden is running our reserves dry. Yeah. We need to open up. Uh, fracking we need to open right. it we need to lease more land despite the fact that oil contractors bp everywhere shell they're sitting on land yeah. that they refuse to drill right. on. and it's like yeah yeah those companies have already said like in the media on news that you can just like replay and watch yeah. that they're not going to increase production domestically and opec is sitting here saying that they are going to lower production right they're going to lower supply to like during the pandemic levels mm-hmm. nuts yeah and it's like, yeah, like there's only so much that Biden can do. There's only so much that the Democrats can do. And I think that people right now are thinking like, OK, bare necessity. Like if people are going to vote of the group of people that are going to uh-huh. vote in 2020 or have already voted, you know, through absentee ballot or whatever, they're thinking like, OK, what most Im- directly impacts my life? Right. This yeah. is how politics works is you think of what issues directly impact you the most in front of people's mind is the economy. They're thinking, you know what? I have an hour and a half commute to work every yeah. day. This gas is killing me. Uh-huh. I'm filling up twice a week. It's costing me a hundred bucks to fill up every week. This is this kind of this material need right now kind of trumps my support for gay marriage. As horrible as uh-huh. that is, that's what people are thinking. Obviously, we don't think like that. We understand things more. Yeah, we pay attention. But well, that's like like people. Yeah, people will have these beliefs. Like someone could be just your average American, maybe like yes, I support gay marriage. I support your right to an abortion. I support you know they may agree with us on a lot of things, but at the end of the day, they have to vote between a Democrat and a Republican. Mm-hmm. Right? It's a two party system. You got to choose one. And because they're most concerned about getting food to their family, they're going to vote for the party that they think will have, I don't know, po- a positive influence on that. And that 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 only works in the system we have because the system we have is built on obstruction. Uh-huh. It's built on minority rule. So the minority party, the Republicans, always can come through and obstruct anything good from happening and say, look at what the Democrats aren't doing despite us not voting for it. Yeah, exactly. It's ridiculous. Yeah, like Republicans will argue, they'll argue for things like um, we need to make drugs cheaper. We need to make it so people can get healthier. Like they will say these things yeah. that they support, you know, expanding access to health care. But then they'll what vote against Medicare being able to negotiate drug prices. Mm-hmm. They'll vote against lowering the cost of insulin across the board. They'll vote against things like paid par- uh, paid marital uh, paid maternal leave. Paid maternity leave. Yes. They'll vote against things like paid maternity leave uh, for no reason other than like they'll say things like, yeah, in America, you work. Yeah, they'll say that. Like, shit. But it's it's wild because on the ground, like when you get to actual like voters, not people voting in the Senate, people yeah. voting for the people in the Senate. They agree with those things. Yeah. They just don't agree with them when they're attached to a Democrat. Yeah. Again, see Florida. Joe Biden ran on a $15 minimum wage. Yet the the rhetoric was, oh, a $15. Like that was one of the huge things that conservatives were nailing. They were focusing hard yeah. on $15 minimum wage, saying this will crush small businesses. This will drive inflation. Yet Floridians overwhelmingly, again, voted for a $15 minimum wage. Uh-huh. And what did that do to inflation in Florida? Exactly. Nothing. Yeah, like you have you have right now Republicans talking about doing tax cuts, 
Which uh-huh. is horrible for inflation. Uh-huh. You want to reduce the money in circulation, not increase it. Tax cuts aren't going to do anything. You want to reduce government spending. Uh-huh. Not That's like the classic Econ 101 example is when to curb inflation, you reduce government spending. Uh-huh. That doesn't mean cutting government revenue. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because a cut in taxes represents uh, an expenditure, right? Yeah. Like that represents putting more money into the economy, which is only going to... Anyway, we don't even have to get into that. But another thing I wanted to mention was uh, there's another close race in Oregon for the governor's seat. Okay. Um, and typically, you know, Oregon... Oregon, we always think of a blue state, but it's closer than it has ever been in Oregon. Ooh. And it's like, like, yeah, people are most concerned about economic issues, even in a place like Oregon, even though in, I think, 2020, uh, Oregon voted to decriminalize all drugs. Yes. Like that is a that is a deeply anti-Republican position. That was to a hold. huge thing. They talked. To, they went crazy about it for like a week. Yeah. But now the polls are suggesting that the race is like almost even. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. That is crazy. It's because people don't connect Democrats to the positions that Democrats claim to hold. And I don't really know that there's a solution to that within, you know, two weeks until the election. Oh, absolutely not. But it's just a it's just a broader critique of Democratic messaging in general. Like you're not focusing enough on the issues that directly impact people's lives. A lot of campaigns are, you know, a lot of people are campaigning on uh, direct economic issues. People like John Fetterman are talking Mm -hmm. about these. But a lot of Democratic campaigns kind of just rely on the support of, again, voters from marginalized communities that they kind of take for granted. And then issues like uh, abortion, other social issues that are very important, but don't necessarily get to the root of what people are really concerned about and i'll also say that the only reason that politics can work like this is because people are so uh, concerned about the economy and their economic situation oh for sure if we lived in a country where people were provided what they need things like health care food and shelter then they could take time to think about larger social issues like democracy itself mm-hmm. like abortion rights and like other human rights but they don't have the mental capacity the mental wherewithal to do that because they have to focus on all these other things and it's also the fact that yeah it's one thing for democrats to run on these things because frankly they do they yeah. do run on these things that appeal to people yeah. do i wish they did it more yes because they don't do it enough however it's another thing to then get to the senate and not deliver on any of these promises yeah. and part of that is because again the the senate setup so that the minority party can obstruct anything uh-huh. and halt 100 percent of all progress and two because the democratic party writ large doesn't give a shit there needs to be huge broad systemic changes there needs to be a wide shift in the culture of the democratic party for anything to ever happen because as it stands now we talk about it all the time people do not care people separate like people just think of politicians as liars and it's like yeah you know what because right now they're set up to be that they're set up to not be able to fulfill any of their promises unless they're somehow a conservative and their promises to make things worse (laughs) yeah no democrats have a a terminal illness that is over promising and under delivery yeah And there's a reason why people like Bernie Sanders or there's a reason why a person like Bernie Sanders is the most popular politician in the fucking country. Mm -hmm. And it's not because like he's necessarily gotten everything done that he wants to, but he has been almost to a T consistent with everything that he's ever done in his life. The only senator, the only senator who has pictures marching with the civil rights. Uh That's it. Right. The only senator that isn't voting, that didn't vote for things, or one of the only senators that didn't vote for things like the war in Afghanistan, wouldn't have voted for things like the crime bill. Like, all these things that Bernie Sanders has fought for has been completely in line with this ideology that everyone has known him to have. And it's not like he's the oldest guy in the Senate. Right. Not by far. It's not like there are people who aren't right there with him in age. Right. And it's like that, that lack of consistency and the lack of actually being able to get things done hurts Democrats a lot. Maybe things are changing. I mean, Joe Biden pulled like a, a class 
classic, I don't know, I don't know. He just did a political strategy against Mitch McConnell and tricked him with yeah. the IRA. Um, I don't know. Maybe Democrats are learning how to do things. But right now, it just I think the perception is that Democrats, they say all these shiny things. They want to do a bunch of stuff, but they can't get it done, which allows Republicans to come in and say, like, look, they're making all these promises, but that's not actually going to help. Uh, and also the immigrants coming over the border are going to kill your entire family. Well, it's like I, w- I would argue that, yeah, maybe they are learning. There was a clip of Joe Biden. He was talking at I think it was a factory somewhere here, like in the Rust Belt a okay. couple weeks ago. We never covered it on here, but I'd seen it. And he said something like um, Republicans love to call all of us socialist, but yet they go and do these things like they're acting like socialists, whatever the fuck that means, because they've just like taking the term and spun it into something mm-hmm. that means nothing. And like he he was hitting the nail on the head. He was hitting what we talk about all the time. But he was yeah. doing this on a speech in front of like 200 people that was not widely televised. Uh-huh. You have access to the TV stations for the entire country. Yeah. You can get on and just hammer them. You can bully them. Yeah, and I think the um the thing that you're referencing was he yeah, he was at some factory and he was saying like Republicans keep calling me socialist and they called the uh, inflation reduction act oh, socialist. Yeah, but now but then they're they asking, benefited from right, it. they're asking for money to be directed to their districts from the inflation reduction act. Yes. So yes. why are they acting like socialists? Uh-huh. Like if that's socialism, why are they engaging in it? Why are they doing it? And it's like that kind of um I don't know, that kind of attack, that kind of dark Brandon energy uh-huh. is the kind of thing that you have to say in order to call Republicans out for their own inconsistencies and it's like they, they hit on that stuff on like the white house twitter account yeah but that's just twitter yeah. you're, you're already appealing to an audience that was going to vote for you anyway you need to get on on the state of the unions right. and say shit like this you need to get on these national stages and say shit like this that's what worried me for so long about the john fetterman campaign was that he would pop off on twitter right yeah like he would ratio dr oz all the time oh his tweets are so funny <laughs> but i would always worry it's like like yeah he's going crazy on social media but is this actually reaching the audience of pennsylvania voters that matter yeah the the people that would actually are either on the fence or haven't voted before that might actually go on and to vote for john fetterman that was kind of what i worried about for the debates too which may actually be a good thing if republicans are doing well but it's like a lot of people might be watching the debates but like are people that are in pennsylvania that are undecided watching the debates and then making a decision off of them or is it people like us that are watching the debates across the country who care about the blood sport and care about (laughs) uh you know seeing if if herschel walker goes insane on the debate stage or not yeah i I feel like you know debates are a spectacle they create important moments they get popularized by the media but the debate as a whole i don't think is really going to make that much of a difference which could be good given how good republicans are doing that's real. That's so, real. So I don't know, but I think uh, I think it's time to move on. I think it's time to talk about some uh, some conservative spam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, Gage, yeah. what the fuck could you possibly be talking about? Yeah, Cons- what the hell are you talking conservative about? Conservative spam, you know? Yeah, no, we always make coherent points. So exactly. You have to explain yourself. Exactly. <laughs> I'm great at segues. Yeah, so of course. a couple days ago, Friday to be specific, two days ago, if you're uh-huh. watching the pod uh-huh. on Sunday when it airs for the patrons, of course, patreoncom in the office pod, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the RNC filed a lawsuit against Google, saying that they are unfairly sending their fundraising emails to user spam folders Mm. now this is funny for a couple of reasons first and this is the big one your spam folder is literally tailor-made to receive messages that you do not open right like like your there's an algorithm there designed to like take things that you don't open from senders that send you a bunch of shit Uh you never look at them ever 
and they're like, okay, maybe this is spam. We're going to send it spam. For example, uh, I never opened some of my professor's emails last semester. Yeah. I would argue that those are very important emails. The algorithm said, oh, this is clearly spam. <laughs> you don't look at them. Right. So they started going to my spam. And I noticed because one time I almost got in trouble for missing an assignment. Oh, nice. So that's that's just how it goes. Well, yeah, and it's like, like all kinds of promotional things that get sent to your inbox go right to spam and you never look at them. Oh, absolutely. And I think I get a lot of, uh, I think, <laughs> I actually, I put it in our Discord recently, but I got, I started getting emails from like the Democratic Party for some reason. Oh, no. Like two days ago, I started getting like two emails a day talking about like help us fundraise. They were like, it, Jeremy, it's Joe Biden. We need your help. And it's like, <laughs> I, I don't know where these came from, but usually those kinds of things get spent to my spam email yeah. inbox because it's like, I don't I, care. I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah it, it happens. Care. And I think it's funny, especially for these conservative emails, because, well, again, I can't speak for the emails necessarily that the GOP sends. I can speak for the texts. Okay. And if you remember nice. a couple months ago, we did a little segment where um, I was watching Tucker Carlson one night and in the as ads, in the ads, it was Kevin McCarthy right. saying, if you text fire Pelosi to eight, five, six, eight, one, you can sign up to receive texts from me. And so naturally I did it. Yeah. And I received text from him for a couple weeks until I never responded and never gave them money. So they stopped. Like, yeah, they stopped okay. wasting their resources on me. But here, the, and my point is they read like spam. Yeah. Like campaign ads read like spam and the GOP ones read like straight scams. Like yeah. here, here are some of the highlights. <clears throat> Top secret files. It's too late. It's over. We failed. <laughs> I want to tell you like it is. This was our last chance, and we missed our critical goal. We're going to be stuck with the Biden-Pelosi train wreck for at least three more years. Oh, my God. The only chance we have left is tonight. That's it. If we can't step up now to protect Trump's legacy and the GOP, we'll never catch up to the liberal money machine. Here's where we stand. Pelosi's dark money is drowning our new candidates. She's out. Funny that he mentions dark money because there's a report that came out saying there's one billion dollars in dark money funding GOP candidates right now. I digress. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's definitely true. And it's like Nancy Pelosi is a really good fundraiser. Yeah. And I think that's why she continues to be Speaker of the House or like one of the highest ranking members in the Democratic Party is because she's so good at fundraising and she's so good at like getting people in line when it comes to votes and stuff For like sure. that. But it's like. Yeah, this is what Republicans do too, and I'm pretty yeah. sure like the average Republican donor is much wealthier than the average Democratic Boy, donor. Class interest, baby. Uh -huh. But anyway, fake news slanders GOP every day and spreads misinformation like wildfire. Big tech is banning our conservative voices. Are you paying attention? <laughs> We're working on borrowed time here. I will fail to meet tonight's deadline. If we fail to meet tonight's deadline, Dems will get three more years of the disastrous one-party rule, and Trump's legacy will be erased forever. This was also posted in like, the middle of March. So it's not like they have a monthly wow. deadline. It, are you setting arbitrary deadlines <laughs> yeah. for March 21st? Wait, Republicans are like low-key worse than Democrats. At, at this kind of thing, like, oh, like, I 100%. mean, I don't know how effective it is. I'm sure they like test it to, you know, with focus groups. And this shit only like that. works on old people. Like, but, no, yeah. like, but it's like, that's almost like that's uh, that's more nauseating than the ones I read from Democrats. Like when, when I see Chuck Schumer, you know, get up in front of a blank wall yeah. and say, like, <laughs> Democrats need funding. That makes me roll my eyes and does it's not make me want to give money. because he's uncharismatic and yeah. doesn't know how to, like, hit messaging. He's but just asking should, for money. This shit is like, leave me alone. <laughs> oh, no, literally. Like, there's it was like a treat every time I got one of these because yeah. they're so funny and they made me chuckle. Here's one of my favorites. Um, it, This one sent with an image of a manila folder that had a top secret stamp on it. Mm. Urgent message from GOP leaders 
leadership. And then the, the first line is delete after reading in all caps. <laughs> Attached is That's the, why I got sent to the spam folder. <laughs> Attached is the memo I sent to my team. And as a top patriot, I will need you in the loop as well. Ten minutes to read and delete. Kevin. Like, come on, this is one step removed from I'm a Nigerian prince yeah. and I need money. Like, That's it's crazy. it's absurd. They're so fucking bad. I got another one that said I was the uh, I was in the top 2% of Trump supporters in my area. <laughs> and I was like, oh, dope, dope word. Wait, cool. so they're just lying. How yeah. are they going to like sue if they're just making shit up? No, they're just lying. They said I was the top 2%. Another one said that I was the only one in my uh, in my area that hasn't voted to save America yet. You know why they're doing this? Because Rick Scott ran out of money for their campaign. Did you see that? Did we talk about that on the show? No. Rick Scott is the, uh, he was appointed in like, sometime in the summer, he was appointed to be the uh, the leader of like the RCC, RCCC or whatever the fuck it is, right? Yeah. The, the campaigning arm for the Republican Party. And he's given however many millions of dollars to do his thing because he's in charge of it uh -huh. now. And bro ran out of money like two months ago. That's, in, wow. Like, or like beginning of, like money was empty. No more money. That's insane. I guess he spent it's all of it on ads. their fundraising texts are this bad. Yeah. Like those, no, but like they had a lot of money. He just ran out of it. <laughs> so now they got to sue Google or whatever the fuck they're doing. It's funny because those, those, um, all those texts read like that one meme we posted on our story when Nancy Pelosi, on our Instagram story, Instagram.com yeah, yeah, slash yeah. head in the office, when Nancy Pelosi <laughs> flew across the South China Sea just out of nowhere, out of nowhere, we posted this one thing and it was a fake email, right? And it's like, hi, I'm Nancy Pelosi. We are currently being shot down over the South China Sea. <laughs> yeah. Our plane is barreling towards the ocean. If we don't meet our fundraising goal in the next 15 minutes, we will all fucking die. <laughs> <laughs> I need you to buy me a parachute. Like, that's what those sound like. It yeah. is. Like, oh, my God. But that was, so the, that was the joke, though. Like, that was the joke we were yeah, making. Yeah, it was like, a joke. We're like, guys, wouldn't this be ridiculous? If <laughs> <laughs> but they're literally doing that. I got another one that was like a GIF, and it was just flashing. Emergency message. Emergency message. Wow. And it was something about a Trump rally. Nice. And they're like, we will match a six times donation. No, you won't. <laughs> a six times donation? That's insane. And I had clicked on some of these donation links, and it automatically like subscribes you for like monthly uh -huh. repayments, and it starts you off at like 20 minimum for that some of them. That is ridiculous. Like it's, you're getting old people. You are scamming old people out of their social security money. Especially, yeah, especially because old people like don't know how to work like online bank accounts. Yeah. So they can't check to see how much is being withdrawn. Uh-huh. And they don't know what an automatic payment is. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like the generation that grew like up with credit be, cards doesn't understand that. I feel like it should be illegal to set up, to have like the automatic payment, monthly payment box checked. Yeah. Like immediately. That shouldn't be something well, that you can do. The Trump organization, or not the Trump organization, that's like an actual thing. But like the Trump campaign. campaign. They were sued for that. They, they got in trouble for doing, yeah. uh, it wasn't like the automatic checks, I don't think. It was just like in general confusing their supporters and taking more money than they were supposed to. Uh -huh. And they also, I remember we talked about how they had like big, big bold yellow text that said like if you unsubscribe you're not a you're not like a real trump ally or something yeah. like that you're, like, you're not loyal and trump will know like just straight up intimidating people into giving money like how is this not like the mob yeah <laughs> like, no literally this is racketeering basically yeah. and it's funny because the same people that fall for texts like this I, they're shooting for the same demographic that gets uh that gets caught with a hi this is the social security administration and we need you to give me a 400 hundred dollar google play card yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> your your car's extended warranty is about to run out. It's the same. You're right. It's the same. This is, this is the your car has been connected to a police investigation, yeah. and we need you to uh, we need to do, set a honeypot for the person who stole your card information by giving us four hundred dollar Google Play gift cards. How are we like the most developed country in the well? Maybe we're not the most developed, the wealthiest country in the world. How are we yeah. the wealthiest country in the world? Most power in the world, and we can't stop fucking spam calls. <laughs> That's crazy. It's because if we did, then Republicans would lose every election. No, literally. And then they try to sue Google. But anyway, like considering how email spam works and how the messages they send are just like straight up scams. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I feel like this claim is kind of a self-report. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. However, there are some grounds that the RNC is standing on here. Oh, no. A North Carolina State University study released in March found that Gmail was more likely to block messages from conservative groups than their competitors, Yahoo and Microsoft Outlook. They right. based the study on emails sent from the 2020 presidential race and found that Gmail put roughly 10% of left-wing emails in spam while placing 77% of conservative emails in spam. The RNC took this and complained to the Federal Election Commission, and the FEC responded by creating the Verified Sender Program. This program allows verified senders to bypass spam filters, and if users don't want to see the verified sender's emails, they can they have to manually unsubscribe themselves, mm -hmm. right? So this it just completely got rid of the problem yeah google participates in this program after the fec made it mm -hmm. the rnc can sign up as a verified sender <laughs> yet they don't they is, have refused to sign up for the program thus perpetuating the problem themselves is there you know maybe is there some kind of like disinformation criteria that they have to meet in order to be a verified sender <laughs> maybe. and they, and they know, know that if they sign up for it they just can't campaign because they have to fucking lie in order to do it I don't know. I, I would assume that there's some kind of criteria you have to meet, right? It's, it's like getting a blue check on Twitter. You know what I mean? Maybe, like, it's but like, I mean, it's got, the you, FEC, so. Right, it's like, the, it's the FEC, but I feel like there, there's got to be some kind of, uh, yeah, I guess, I don't know, maybe. I, I wonder why why they won't sign up I'm for I'm not it. sure, oh, because they know. They, they know people will unsubscribe. Oh, yeah, like, okay. Which, it's funny, because this program will make it harder for their messages to be quote-unquote censored yeah yet they refuse to do it and just want to go through with this biased lawsuit which is just a frivolous lawsuit that they're going to use to like on, it's yeah. a culture war thing they're not going to win obviously yeah, look for at this reasons i've laid out look at this jewish judge that threw out this <laughs> that's what they're gonna say holy shit look at this jewish judge with Ghislaine maxwell <laughs> kanye was right that's what they're gonna say that's a, that's that's what I have for that. And obviously the RNC, they're just using this as like a look at big tech censoring us. Uh -huh. And that's not what's happening here. No, it's you, not. It's, you're just <laughs> you're being determined by the algorithm to be saying nonsense that nobody wants. And to it's hear. crazy because like, I don't know, I'm not really signed up for conservative emails and I've never signed up for like a Democratic text chain. I yeah. got a couple during the election just because I was registered as a Democrat. It's like, oh, my God, this is the White House. We need money. But I ignored them and they stopped texting me. Uh -huh. But they weren't nearly as annoying as the conservative ones. Dare I say they weren't nearly as gas as the conservative yeah. ones were, right? But what I, I can speak, like, the mail that I get, they be flooding my mailbox mm -hmm. with attack ads against, like, the my representative, against yeah. Dan Kildee. Dan, Dan Kildee the man himself. Kildee. Dan the man, yeah. Like, they'll send me, like, fifth, like five fucking flyers every week. One of them, I posted it on our <laughs> yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That shit was bigger than my torso. It's like a 24-inch TV. Why are you <laughs> clogging my mailbox with this? Like, I don't care. They just want to be the most annoying people on the planet. And then complain. And they're winning. And then they complain. 
complain about it when uh-huh. they are annoying. Anyway, moving on to a, a much yeah. smaller story, still pretty domestic, but I wanted to give you all a student loan forgiveness update. True, true, true. So the Eighth Circuit Court just put a temporary halt on Biden's student loan forgiveness plan. It's interesting because this is coming after multiple attempts to challenge the plan have failed in other courts. I was just about to say, I thought it had failed, but I guess It not. failed in every other court. Even Amy Coney Barrett came out and said that these suits have no grounds to stand on. Yeah. So that's crazy coming from her and how awful she is. Yeah, that true. should just tell you right Literal away. demon in human skin, yeah. Exactly. But what does this mean for you, a likely student loan borrower, and us, student loan borrowers? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Basically nothing. People who have a staked interest in this. Exactly. Basically nothing right now. The White House has come out and explicitly said that uh, the application opened last week, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, the application yeah. to apply for their forgiveness opened last week. I would encourage you all to go do that because... The White House has made it very clear that you can still apply throughout the halt. And I don't think the halt's going anywhere. I just think it's worthwhile to note. Yeah. Considering uh, the country. That would be, can you, okay, because like the, the narrative that, the narrative here is obviously that like if Republicans make any attempt legislatively, like through Congress, yep. to pull back on student debt forgiveness, they're going to look fucking horrible, right? For sure. So their only real route in getting that done, and they do want to get it done, like they do want you to not have any debt canceled. The only way that they can get that done is through the court system, because then they can try to claim some amount of impartiality. Uh-huh. But if this doesn't work, then... I don't. I wonder what the Republican crazy, narrative will turn into. Because it's like this specific lawsuit is the lawsuit uh, six states have challenged. Yeah. I think it's like North Carolina, Texas, and I can't remember who else. But it's six states versus I don't know the Biden administration, mm-hmm. whatever the fuck they're gonna call this. But yeah, yeah, I just I feel like it's something to note. But go apply for your forgiveness. Yeah, if this does get overturned or somehow stopped completely, or they like determine that like executive order can't do this, I'm gonna lose it. Oh, redacted, redacted, redacted. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, anyway, moving on to some Anglophobia. Let's go. <laughs> I'm feeling Anglophobic today. Um, you know, we've been dunking on the UK for a while. We had almost an entire episode dedicated to how the Queen died. Uh-huh. And that was a lot of fun. <laughs> the jokes there were crazy. <laughs> Twitter was crazy. Um, but I'm back on my Anglophobia arc. Of course. It's morally right to and be I think, Anglophobic, yeah. Italiophobic, mm-hmm. and Francophobic. Yeah, at this point, it's like morally obligatory you have to oh you must you must must. uh and i think you all know why we're talking about this because last thursday prime minister of the united kingdom liz truss announced that she's resigning from her office after only 40 days (laughs) on the job 40 days on the job what a gal the the head of lettuce outlasted liz truss did you see that (laughs) did you see that no i didn't there was somebody as soon i think when liz truss came into office someone started a live stream and was like will this head of lettuce last longer and then it did that's that's crazy <laughs> like that, like that's wow. outrageous the future site that that person has that that's like outrageous right because like uh, people will do that people do that like for the biden administration like we'll even live longer than this you know piece of bread or whatever yeah and usually you're like well of course not but the joke is that it's not going to last a long time uh, but the lettuce literally <laughs> lasted longer that's it, nuts it's funny because pretty much like most of what i saw about this was the bbc video of her saying yeah i'm a fighter I'm a fighter. I'm <laughs> yeah. not going to back down. I'm not going to do anything. And then the video of her saying, I resign. And then walking away, but like it's sped up. <laughs> yeah. And it, it looks like something out of a cartoon. Yeah, no, it's it's really funny. So Liz Truss, of course, wasn't elected by the people, but by a the conservative party in the UK following the resignation of Boris Johnson that we covered a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, the conservative party, of course, is made up of a very small minority of the uh, of the Anglo population. Yeah. Only has about 1,000... 
or 160,000 members, majority white men, of course. Uh, and now Liz Truss is out of there. Out of leaving. there. I think maybe leaving on Tuesday of this week. I can't remember. Yeah, this is what happens when a woman, ta- a woman takes over <laughs> to a man's job. That's men right. are making a comeback. Man, 2023 is man's year exactly. right now, baby. <laughs> See, look, the queen dies. We got a man in charge we, of the, we get the royals. A, we get a man back in charge. Exactly. We got a, we got a king in office. Bring back Boris, honestly. True. Uh, so you may be saying, how did this happen, right? Like, I don't pay attention to the Anglos because I'm Anglophobic. Real? Uh, I think they're lesser than us. I don't like the accent. Exactly. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> just, just say it normal. Take the U's out of your words. It's, it's weird. For real, for real. It's uh, aluminum. Thirteen colony lead blew it. <laughs> like we're, we're just better than you. But you may be thinking, like, well, how did this happen? So as soon as Liz Truss entered office, uh, the Queen died, like immediately. Uh, during, of course, during record high inflation that is also impacting the UK because it's a global trend and not just happening in the United States. So Joe Biden came. Joe Biden didn't entirely. press the button. Uh, she also, as soon as that happened, like right after getting into office, she announced massive tax cuts for the wealthiest people in the UK. Yeah. Um, which again, as we right talked about earlier. Right after she said she wouldn't. Yeah. Like that's, that's another clip I saw was her at a press conference after she did that. And literally every reporter there said, how do we know you have any integrity yeah. whatsoever? <laughs> yeah. She said that she was going to do massive tax cuts. Um, again, as we said earlier in the episode, bad thing to do during inflation mm-hmm. only makes inflation worse. <laughs> of course, when she announced this, it shocked the entire market because that's what these kinds of things do. And then she later reversed the plan and fired the guy who helped devise it. <laughs> So just going fucking nuts. And then following all of that, you know, general hatred towards her and just upheaval in the United Kingdom, uh, it came out that she had a 10% approval rating. God damn. <laughs> like, I can't think of any time in uh, certainly American history, but in like the history of other countries where 10% approval rating. That's insane. In, in a democracy. You know what I mean? Like, in a, <laughs> yeah, in a democratic, yeah. like I could 10% against the monarch, sure, because not elected at all, you know, divine right, whatever. I mean, she wasn't elected at all. Right. And that's the thing. And I think that that's, that's what plays into it because in the, uh, in parliamentary systems, typically the prime minister is elected by the majority party or by a coalition government following an election, right? Mm -hmm. That's what happened with Boris Johnson. The conservatives won a majority, and then they appointed Boris Johnson as the prime minister. But there wasn't an election held after Boris Johnson. Liz Truss just got the job. Yeah. And now she's resigning, and now the Tories are just going to appoint another person without, again, receiving any mandate to govern. How close are they to a new election? That's the thing is that they don't have to hold one until 2025. What? They can call one earlier. I think you can basically call one whenever you want if you think it's going to give you but more seats. But they're not going to. But they're in power, so they get to decide when it happens, and they don't have to until 2025. Damn. So the goal is going to probably be to just ride it out because the Labour Party is um, polling very well in the UK right now because they're like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> That's crazy. I had also seen another thing that said that now that she served uh, like the minimum 45 days, she can uh, she's eligible to receive $100,000 every year until she dies now What the as fuck? like the retirement. So um, that's why she waited. Get your bag and get out. You know, man. Two Lizzies taking an L in the UK. <laughs> two Lizzies back to back L's. Lizzies are zero and two. A second bus has hit the South Lizzie. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, ending on some extra international news, this time more directly tied to the United States. We're talking about immigration. Uh, okay. We're talking about Latin America, again, for the second time in the episode. Uh, so you all may remember Title 42. 
right? It's this uh, very obscure public health law that Donald Trump used during 2020 to basically turn everyone away from coming mm-hmm. into the country because he could claim that they might spread COVID, even though doing nothing about COVID in the United States. Uh, but Biden used it against the Haitians? Biden Haitian used it against the Haitians uh, last year. Because that's, that's when we got the pictures of the dudes on horses with yeah. the whips. That shit was crazy. Yeah, he used it against uh, Haitian refugees when they were fleeing after their president was assassinated, I think like in <laughs> September, August of last year. Yeah. Uh, and recently... Uh, despite suing in court to try to get Title II removed completely from the books, mm-hmm. Joe Biden has invoked Title 42 again. Hmm, that's crazy. Which is uh, which is not great. This time it's against Venezuelan refugees mm. uh, in an attempt to control the flow of migrants at the border. I have a quote from The Guardian. They said, quote, On October 12th, the Biden administration announced that it would deport Venezuelan migrants to Mexico under a previously obscure health law, Title 42, which was used for summary expulsions under uh, by the Trump administration and has been continued under Joe Biden. Uh, now, again, Joe Biden had said that he Joe Biden announced like last year or earlier this year that he was going to get rid of Title II entirely. Yeah. And then had, I think he had ran explicitly against using right. those measures against immigrants. And then I think some conservative groups or whatever sued in court. And then the court said, like, you can't get rid of Title 42. Mm-hmm. And they were like, fine. So he ostensibly so use it ostensibly wanted to weaken it or get rid of it entirely. But now he's using it again. Yeah. Which is just fucking weird, especially because this is what they ran on. And it's especially crazy because conservatives love to talk about Democrats open border policies, yet they are treating immigrants the same as Trump did. No, exactly. Exactly. Like, and it's like uh, this uh, this ruling or just I guess I don't know if it was executive order, or just like decision that they came mm-hmm. to. Uh, but it's also going to deny Venezuelan refugees entry into the country if they went illegally through Mexico or Panama. What, how so the not fuck even, are you supposed to get here? That's then? what I'm saying. <laughs> it's like, it's not even that we're going to kick Venezuelans out that are here now that immigrated illegally. But if you immigrated illegally through other countries, we're also going to uh, kick you how, out of how our How the country. fuck are you supposed to get here then? Right. Like, that's, oh my Well, that's God. that's the point, of course, is you're not. Yeah. You're not it, supposed it, to precisely. get here. That, that is exactly the point. And I think it's, I just, I wanted to bring this up because I thought that people weren't really covering it or talking about it amidst all the other chaos. And I also wanted to make the point that like, just a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, we were talking about how brutal it was for Ron DeSantis to take Venezuelan refugees and send them to Martha's Vineyard as a part of a political stunt. Yeah. And now we have Joe Biden coming out again. We had Joe Biden coming out against what Ron DeSantis did. Every Democrat in the country saying what Ron DeSantis did was disgusting. And now we are denying asylum seekers from Venezuela fleeing political violence or gang violence or any other number of things. We're basically treating them the same. And it's especially egregious denying asylum seekers from Venezuela, considering that we have caused a significant amount of the problems in yes. Venezuela. Yes. We have set up blockades on their borders to stop food from getting into the country amidst record inflation and food shortages. Mm-hmm. We have we have wrecked their political system throughout, like, what, 30 years yeah. or however many yeah. fucking decades that we've been meddling with them. Well, yeah, and it's like our, our interventions in Venezuela mirror those of every other country that we've meddled with in Latin America. Yeah. We basically treated Latin America as our geographic area to play around with as much as we want uh-huh. and to siphon as much wealth off as we can. And Venezuela is no exception, of course. Like, we've had sanctions on some particularly abhorrent political leaders, and it's not, we're not trying to say that Venezuela at all has been a great country to live in. Yeah. But yeah, we've targeted their food supply. And of course, if you're living in a country where your food supply is being targeted and you can't feed your family, you're going to try to leave. 
And where are you going to try to go? The wealthiest country you can find that's accessible to you. And that's the United yeah. States. And you know what? I feel I feel like a lot of this, like, in sort of a meta way, speaks to how conservatism and reactionary ideologies are, like, self-hating. Yeah. And they, they, they don't exist to, like, progress anything, obviously, conservatism. And they only exist to eat themselves alive. Because you would think that conservatives politically would want Venezuelan immigrants. Yeah. Because the whole thing has been, oh, my God, Vuvuzuela socialism, mm -hmm. right? You would think they would want Venezuelan immigrants in the same way that Cuban immigrants have been beneficial for conservative causes because Cuban immigrants lean conservative yeah. because the ones that are leaving Cuba do not like how, quote, socialist Cuba is. Yeah. You would think that they would like to use them as a political tool in a more humane way than now. Yeah. But no, their hatred for brown people, their blatant white supremacy is in a way kneecapping themselves from yeah. good political strategy, I guess. Yeah, you, it's like they just can't get over it. Yeah. And that's not even to mention that immigration, by, by the way, Immigration, in large part, is very good for the economy. And it's people who are coming to America, again, like America. Yeah. Like, that, that's the thing. They're that's looking the to thing. work in America. God. It's just, it's so sad to see that the clear solution here is to ease up on the sanctions we've had on Venezuela for decades and to actually be an ally rather than an oppressor to that nation. Stop trying but to we do can't. peace. We, we, we just can't. And it just keeps showing you that, like, all, all this rhetoric that Republicans spew about how Joe Biden is weak on the border and how he's letting, you know, migrants come across. We have an open border policies. All this narrative, all this rhetoric is just it's nonsense. It's a lie. Because Joe Biden is just as brutal as the as Republican politicians are when it comes to people on the border. He just does it while trying to make it look better, while calling mm -hmm. it correctional, uh, like holding centers instead of kids in cages. That's yeah. all it is. It's just yeah. it's just different words that we apply to it. And all the liberals that hated Donald Trump for what he did at the border seemingly just don't talk about what Joe Biden does, even well, though they're almost the exact same. Yeah, well, it's okay because, I mean, we wouldn't want this influx of people at such a critical time like this, you know. Ridiculous, dog. But it, but it's awful when Ron DeSantis does the thing, which is awful. Yeah. Both of these things are awful. Yeah. However, it's the hypocrisy here. And again, this is another reason why Democrats are so awful with their fucking messaging. Because yeah. all you need to do is point to that, and then in the eyes of your, your everyday voter— your centrist voter, they're going to think, oh, yeah, they are hypocrites. I'm going right. to vote for the Republicans because at least they're honest. And it's like on the Ron DeSantis thing, like, yeah, every what he did treating Venezuelan immigrants or just human anybody, trafficking, treating anybody in that way for a for a political stunt is fucking insane. Yeah. And we've talked about that plenty. But this in no way is really that different. Sure, Joe Biden isn't using them as a political stunt, but he's still brutalizing these people all the same. Arguably it's still a worse. kind of violence. Argu I would argue that invoking Title 42 against asylum seekers is worse than flying them to Martha's Vineyard. Yeah. Although Ron DeSantis, what he did, very bad. Human trafficking. You shouldn't use humans for political <laughs> stunts. You, you shouldn't do human trafficking. <laughs> Title 42 is actively brutalizing uh -huh. like people. Like I I'd argue that that's a little bit worse here. Yeah, and it's just and it's not like in a, it's not in an effort to protect national security. It's not in an effort to like reduce drug trafficking. It's just denying people asylum. Yeah, you. Can, they have a they have an international right to asylum. The United Nations has decided yeah. that asylum seekers have a right to seek asylum, and we're denying them that because we have Title Forty Two. They don't even have like a bullshit culture war to get behind, like they do with like Syrian refugees yeah. during the migrant migrant crisis. They can't say, "Oh no, what if a terrorist comes over?" Like they, they, they I, that's bullshit. Of don't course, get me wrong. Of course. That's all bullshit, but they don't even have that here to stand on. They're just doing it because. Yeah, it's crazy. It's really Love awful. It. Uh, but that brings us to the, the end of our episode. <laughs> Ending another one on bad news. That's right. Let's go. No hopeful news Another banger. Uh, if you enjoyed that episode, you might want to consider going over to patreon.com slash head in the office pod. Exactly you might want to consider checking out our YouTube. Lots of content over there. Lots of content. Lots of free content you could check out. And if you really want to uh, to get in on the content, 
You can get episodes early at Patreon. Real. And you'll get access to our early live stream that we're going to do on election day. Patreon pre-show, yeah. baby. All the information will be on Patreon, and uh, we'll, we'll keep reminding you. You know. It. Over and over. Um, but speaking of Patreon, speaking of patrons, speaking of the people, thanks. speaking of the people that get exclusive access to us. Early episodes? Mm-hmm. On mm-hmm. Sundays? Nuts. The Sabbath, the rest day. <laughs> exactly. We got to give a special thanks to Cricket Scrapbook Layouts, Nikki Nine Lives, Kaden Kraut, Lord T, Chris the Postman, Christy Beck, Talia Katz, 40% Spite, Andrew Harris, Mike Chaplinski, Mattias T, The B Plot, Omar Zuno, Clayton LaFed, Ash Fairblood, Mark Yeager, Sarah McRoberts, Derek Messina, Dylan B, The Mind Sculptors, Kaz, Caleb Joy, Jim Bobs, Carl D, Rich Toro, Tari, Gavin Mayer, Maldonado, Hunter W, Fergalaki, Max Vezquez, Jacob Rogers, Colt Muberry, Fixer Punk, Jim Egbers, Megan Latau, Jeff Muzzy, Ted Cruz's Boy Toy, Bagel Brito, Alexander Vanolas, Jasper Hingaras, Bread, Joe Stenstrom, and my mom. Thank you all for supporting the show on Patreon. We couldn't wonderful, do it without you. Wonderful, wonderful people. The reason we can do this live stream in a couple of weeks exactly. is because of you. Exactly. The reason we can financially justify certain decisions is uh-huh. because of you. It's all because of you. Uh, we, we can't thank you enough. Join the community. <laughs> we'll see you all next week. Have a good week. <laughs>